BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza, and today it's just me with you. I've been getting so many listener questions, which I love, on my DMs on at Raising Good Humans podcast. And I realized it's been a little while since I've answered them. So today I have questions on tantrums. And if you like this episode, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and if you really feel excited, write a little review. So here's the first question. Dr. Aliza, I'm new to your podcast, but quickly catching up with old episodes. And I was wondering if you've addressed behavior modification. I know you've talked a lot about connecting and I'm wondering if there's any room in the research for straight up rewards and punishment. Okay. I think this is a great question and I actually addressed it in one of the videos on my podcast as well. So this must be on the mind of lots of people. My overall point of view about any support for your child's behavior is grab whatever tools work for you and just try not to be too religious about it in the sense that if you decide that no rewards is what you read and what you heard, but something, you know, giving a little bit of positive reinforcement through a small reward or attention works for you in certain circumstances, go for it. The research is not about whether or not it works because in fact, a lot of methods are going to work if by work you mean get your child to be compliant or listen well or stop what they're doing and redirect. The question is for some people, if you're doing a particular kind of discipline like behavior modification without some of the other support systems like connecting and being available emotionally and kind of seeing your child and naming their feelings as well, you could end up with a kid who's very compliant because they want the reward and the praise, but they may not internalize how their behavior is something they can make good decisions about in the long term. So you just want to be careful, but it absolutely is fine to say, you know, you're choosing certain behaviors where you give a small reward and a reward can be anything from a sticker to saying a really specific praise. Hey, Sally, thank you for putting your shoes on so quickly. The first time I asked, 
noticed that that phrase was not good job. It was very specific, you know, and you can even say something when you're praising like, I noticed that you calmed down so nicely. You were so upset and then you were calm. That's also a form of positive reinforcement, even though it's not giving a sticker or a trinket or food, which caveat, I definitely don't recommend food as a reward. All of that is totally appropriate. And in the developmental literature, again, it's a question of if you do too much where you're the one giving a reward, you could end up in a situation where your child actually needs you to approve of their behavior in order to know if it is in fact, the behavior they're supposed to be doing. And while we are there to guide our kids, we want them to slowly learn to come up with their own decisions. And so some behavior modification is fantastic and actually really helpful. And I think it's very extreme when people say never give rewards or you know never do behavior modification because it's sometimes incredibly important for kids. It's good practice. And we all need a little external motivation to do things sometimes. You just want to make sure that you choose wisely so that it's not for every behavior so that you don't run into the the sort of the kid who's a, a praise junkie or feels like in order to do something, they need a reward all the time. Straight Club is effective, safe, easy to use, and just a little bit less embarrassing. It's a product targeting hygiene for teenage boys. It was founded by four women with 11 children between them, and they felt like their girls' bathrooms were overflowing with personal care products while their boys could barely be bothered with a basic bar of soap. And so they asked have these boys ever actually washed their faces? And they embarked on a mission to help these guys feel more confident and engage in self-care and simple and effective skin and acne care products. And the products are formulated, tested, and approved by a dermatologist who's one of the co-founders. It's formulated without parabens, sulfates, phthalates. The formulas are cruelty-free because, of course, This is a mom and physician-founded company, so safety is non-negotiable. And Strike Club has been verified by the Environmental Working Group. Easy to use. Most boys do not want an elaborate routine, and so they built products that fit the lifestyle of teenage boys. Fast, multitasking, and discreet. Also, the packaging is really unfussy. Strike Club is available at Target stores and Target online and at strikeclub.com. If you go to strikeclub.com right now and you enter the code G-O-O-D at checkout, you will receive 15% off your purchase. That's strike with a Y, S-T-R-Y-K-E-C-L-U-B.com, code good for 15% off. Here's the next question. Dr. Pressman, I have so much respect for you and all of the work that you're doing for parents like me. That Thank you very much. Um, that's so nice. I want to engage with my toddler's endless why questions, but I get so tired of it. And then if I don't answer her, she throws a tantrum. What can I do? Okay. 
Endless why questions can be exhausting, but ignoring endless why questions can turn into tantruming. So my two, I guess, quick points would be first, sometimes it's okay if you aren't available to answer your child's question, like you just don't have the energy for it and they get upset. That's just about getting comfortable with your child being a little bit frustrated and upset. But the other thing you can do is turn the question around when they ask why, which is a very, you know, typical toddler question um, and preschooler question. They just are really trying to understand the world. You can ask them, well, why do you think? And if you've explained it before, you can say, remember what I told you earlier today? And you can say, so tell me what you remember and try to turn the question back around on them or just simply say, tell me what you think. Why do you think that happened? If you don't have the energy for that and you just don't want to deal with it anymore, you can say, we're going to do three more why questions and then we're going to put that question aside and we'll get back to it tomorrow. So you can always put a limit on the whys. Okay, next question number three. Hello and thank you for taking questions this way. I have one about our toddler saying no. My husband's basically said, you're not allowed to say no to us. I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that, but I'm not sure of a productive alternative. How do we teach them the nuance of saying no carefully and respectfully? They are ages two and four, and it's only turned into battles. Well, I love that you pointed out how you don't want to just tell a child that they're not allowed to question authority because it can be really tempting as your husband has shown you to get a little um, heated up when your child rejects something that you know, you've said is important or you've told them what to do and they say no. But it is really sensitive of you and, and also kind of urgent to make sure they have the ability to question authority sometimes and say no because imagine if another person asks them to do something that is dangerous or inappropriate even if it's a grown-up that they're supposed to respect you want them to feel empowered to say no so in those cases i might say i know you don't want to put your shoes on i don't know why i'm using shoes as an example again but <laughs> i know you don't want to put your shoes on you're saying no to me and I appreciate hearing how you feel or I appreciate hearing what you have to say. In this case, I'm your parent and I know that your feet need to be warm and protected because we're going outside. So I'm going to have to tell you again, please put your shoes on. Would you like me to help you or do you want to do it yourself and give them a choice in the matter? And then if they say no, they don't want you touching them, and they need to get dressed, then you can say, you are absolutely allowed to say no to anyone else trying to put your clothes on, take your clothes off, touch your body. But when mommy or daddy needs to help you get dressed, sometimes you're not going to want to get dressed and you're going to practice saying no. And sometimes we're going to say, you are allowed to say no to someone else trying to touch your body or put your clothes on or take your clothes off. But for us, we have to make sure you're dressed. And so we're getting you dressed. And if that whole long-winded sentence takes too long, you can say, 
just let them know you understand they don't like it. You don't want to put your pajamas on right now. You're mad. Let's take a breath and then we're going to put our pajamas on. Do you want me to help you put your arm in? Or do you want to start with your head or your arm or something along those lines? And if it's a four-year-old, you would say, if they say no, you can say, you know, you can do it yourself or I can help you. You let me know. Basically, you just want to make sure. Also, by the way, if they're just saying no, because they just want to be defiant, but it's actually not about protecting their bodies or making decisions for themselves, then I think you're also very, you can very sweetly and gently say, I'm sorry, did you mean to say no thank you? Or I don't care for that. And you can make it light and funny and easy so that sometimes, I mean, and again, don't, don't ever make a joke when your child is super serious and not coming out of it because they might feel like you're not taking their feelings seriously. But if there is space to lighten it up, then you can just, you know, do it that way in a, in a lighter way. And the other way to kind of keep it light is to say, do you need to get more nose out? And then just everybody take, you know, a pause and for 20 seconds, just say no in different voices and get them out. Like you're shaking your wiggles out, but you're getting your nose out and say, okay, we got those nose out. All right. Now let's get back to whatever it is that you're doing. And lastly, if they're saying no to something about respecting one of their boundaries, they actually not only I recommend should be allowed to say it, but those are moments when you say, I'm so glad that you told me you do not want me to touch you right now, or you do not want to hug right now or whatever it is. I like to know when you want me to touch you and when you don't so that they feel empowered to make those statements. Now you can't control your husband. So that's going to be one of those things where he's going to do his thing and you're going to do yours. And probably what's going to happen is over time, he might come to realize that you are getting further with whatever it is that you're hoping to get in your communication with your child. And so he might try a new strategy, but at another time, I might even say to him, Hey, you know, we really want to be careful about saying you're not allowed to say no to us because if we're not specific, then our child might not feel safe and comfortable to say no when it's actually part of being safe and taking care of themselves if somebody is putting them in a dangerous position. And maybe he'll understand it from that perspective. Okay. Hi, I'm wondering about helping my child move from feelings of anger and frustration back to calm. Thanks so much. Okay. So there are two components to helping kids self-regulate, which is basically get to the point where they have the ability to move themselves from one big emotion to the emotion that gets them calmer. And the first thing is to practice their skill and yours when the heat of the moment is not happening. So that's going to be something that's really helpful in the long term. You know, it's why people do practice meditation, not so that they can feel calm in that moment, but so that their brain knows that they are capable of managing their nervous system. So it's just like going to the gym and practicing and um, getting a little bit better at it so that when you are in the heat of the moment, 
your brain actually is really good at practicing pausing before reacting. And so you can have a calmer response. But if your child is already totally out of control and you're in a situation where you don't really have much that you can do because they're too upset, the first thing that you want to do is calm yourself. So take that deep breath because when you take a deep breath, you're giving yourself a moment to pause. And in doing so, you're co-regulating with a dysregulated child and modeling self-regulation. Then you can reflect for just a moment so that you can have a thoughtful response to their dysregulation instead of also getting upset and heated and dysregulated. I would go as far as saying, put your hand on your heart while you're taking that breath, because again, it's gonna help you check in with your body. Are you calm and regulated or are you getting upset as your child is upset? And if that happens, this will help you get to a place where they can feed off of that calm. Then, you know, connection is really key. When parents are attuned to their child's emotional state, it makes them feel more supported and seen, more safe. And then you aren't fixated on their tantrum. You aren't fixated on their feelings and fixing them. So they're more likely to come out of that dysregulation and get to a calmer space faster. Now, keep in mind, connecting with a child who's angry and frustrated does not mean you're condoning the behavior, you know, if they're doing something that's getting a little bit nutty. It's just that you're becoming a reliable, present, and able to weather the emotional storm of your child parent. And that gives them the longer term ability to calm down. And if you think about when you've been angry before, when somebody tells you to calm down or when somebody tells you it's not worth being that angry or frustrated, that can make you feel like more compelled to prove your point. So think about a toddler brain or a young child's brain trying to convince you that they're angry and frustrated only to have you tell them you know, to calm down. So I wouldn't tell them to calm down, but again, your calmness in that moment will help them. And then if they can hear you because they're quiet enough, then you can say something that sort of names their emotion. It's frustrating when you can't have what you want. I know it makes you feel angry when I take away whatever your iPad, whatever it is. So you're labeling that emotion, but don't do that if they're screaming. If they're really angry and frustrated and clenching their fists, Remember, focus on your own body and your own physical state that can calm them by just being there. And then after they've noticed that or taken those deep breaths, you can redirect them and move forward and take some deep breaths alongside them. You can also ask them to help you breathe or a teddy bear breathe by you know, putting it on their tummy and breathing with them. And you can also remember that in those moments of frustration, they really can move through it faster if you're sitting next to them, not moving so much and trying to make it go away. And lastly, just for a reality check, if you have other kids in the house or you have other things to do, if they're having a frustrated, angry moment and you don't have the energy or you've done all, you've checked all the boxes, 
it's okay for them to just go through that feeling and experience it and they'll, they'll be done. Jane.com is a highly curated boutique marketplace featuring the latest in women's fashion trends, accessories, home decor, children's clothing, and more. Every day is a sale at Jane. They offer a wide variety of categories and styles where you can find something for everyone in your life. And there are over 400 new products dropped daily. Everything from apparel for the whole family, even for your pup or your cat. There's really fun, cute finds. I got little um, pajamas for my girls because we like to do pajamas for Valentine's Day. Blink and you'll miss it. On Jane.com, products only last for limited time. So it makes shopping very fun. And Jane.com is a place for discovery. There are endless aisles you can browse or just search specifically for what you need. Jane.com's assortment is also highly curated. So you're going to find new fun stuff and classic basics. Plus, my favorite part is that by shopping at Jane.com, you support small businesses. They offer products and name brands from over 2,000 shops and all at amazing prices. So find your next discovery at Jane.com slash humans. One scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus aid with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing 53 iterations over the last decade. They invest the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredients and go above and beyond the third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best daily nutritional habit on the planet. And it's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free and it contains less than one gram of sugar. And right now, Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple and efficient. Simply go to athleticgreens.com slash humans, H-U-M-A-N-S, and make a better commitment to your daily health every day. Athleticgreens.com slash humans, and you get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Okay, so here's the next question. My four-year-old has always been incredibly demanding and verbal. He's a great kid, but absolutely will challenge you if you're challenging him. So my question is, how do I get him to be quiet for five or 10 minutes without making him feel unwanted or that his words are not valuable? Honestly, any length of time would be helpful to my sanity. Um, I love this question because I think that a lot of people can relate to it. You wanna help your child feel like their words are important 
you want to curb the chances of a bigger tantrum, but you also don't want to hear them sometimes. And that's okay. So with kids who are super demanding, it kind of becomes a a little bit of a cycle because their demands get met with your giving in. So all the attention goes to the kid who needs the most attention. But if you're looking for quiet, I would set up practice times during the day when, again, your child isn't in the heat of the moment and isn't feeling like they have lots to say, even though it sounds like this one has a lot to say a lot, and practice family quiet time. You can say, we're, we're going to keep our mouths quiet and put our finger on our lips during this whole song. Let's see if we can do it. So you're going to do one song that you put on. Then you might do two songs and build up. You can also get a sand timer and say, we're having family quiet time until the yellow sand goes to the bottom. And if you say something, because this is a four-year-old, so they understand, if you do feel like you have to say something, put it inside your head, hold on to that thought. And as soon as the timer's up, you'll get to tell me everything. See if you can remember as much as possible and remind them because it's not the heat of the moment. So they're not upset right now. When we're using this timer and it's family quiet time, I'm not going to respond to you. So you might have lots to say and you might forget to hold that information in, inside your head. That's okay. If that happens, just know that I'm not responding until the timer is finished. And then they'll get frustrated and it will feel hurtful, but you've already explained yourself. You're not rejecting them. You're just saying during this time, I'm not talking and you will get practice. You'll exercise the muscle of being able to get quiet time. And then you can get them a little bit better at it. And you're, you know, more importantly, you'll, you'll get better at recognizing that it's not that you're rejecting them or ignoring them. There are times when you just don't have space to have a conversation and that's okay. And they will learn that they can't always take space. There is not always an opportunity. They do have to be in school. Hopefully they do have to engage in a world where they're not the center of the universe. So it's a great gift and an important gift to make sure that your kids know that in fact, they are going to have to remember their thoughts without sharing them at all times. Again, if this leads to an upset child, that's okay. They're allowed to be upset and you're allowed to sit through that upset and let them know you were really upset when I didn't talk to you during the timer. You know, when the timer wasn't finished, you really wanted to say something and I didn't pay attention to you. And that maybe was hard. It'll get easier next time. You know, can you think of something you can do while you're waiting and see if they come up with an idea? Next question. How do I calm down and help my children with their behavior, especially when they snap? kind of testing how long I can keep up the good mom, quote unquote, attitude. They are five and three. Okay. First, let's get rid of the good mom attitude because although I totally get it, that's a lot of pressure. Let's call it the good enough mom. Let's call it the good enough mom attitude. If they're testing you, you can just name that. You can say, guys, it feels like you're trying to test me to see if I'm going to flip my lid. You can look up Google hand model, Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain. He does a hand model of the brain where you can use your finger 
your thumb, you tuck your thumb under your other fingers to make a fist. And when you flip your lid of your brain, so to speak, that makes you shout or snap or go into your lizard brain, you can show them the hand. You can explain that to them. This will all make more sense if you Google it. And you can say, I'm about to flip my lid. And you can show them the hand moving from a fist shape, not an angry fist. This is very specific. When you Google it, it will make sense to lifting those four fingers up to show that you're flipping your lid, which means you're going to lose it. You might even lose your temper. So I need to take a deep breath right now and calm myself so that I don't snap at you guys. And then excuse yourself because as long as their bodies are safe, you can say, you know what? Sometimes I need, I notice my body getting angry. You can even talk them through this part. I'm noticing my fists clenching. I'm noticing my jaw getting tight. I'm noticing I need to take a deep breath so I don't snap at you guys. This is really challenging. I think I'm going to go in the other room for a minute. Or if their bodies are not safe, then you can say, I'm going to sit down for a minute. I'm going to do some things in my own head to help me calm down. Then let them watch you go through whatever it is that you're going through. Believe it or not, it can be far more scary and not the scary where it's like scary bad and um, you're, you're making your kids afraid of you, but far more startling to stay calm and take that deep breath in front of your kids so they see, whew, mom is doing hard work right now to not lose it. We probably have pushed her too far. So think of it that way, showing them all the different strategies you have to keep yourself from losing it instead of focusing on when am I going to snap at them? Just use it as an opportunity to practice. Okay, next. My three-year-old is totally focused on getting in trouble. So when he's kicking and screaming and upset and we discipline, he gets upset and asks if he's in trouble. And I've noticed that's kind of where he goes to. He's starting to focus too much on asking if he is in trouble. He gets really upset if we say yes. So I'm wondering if there's a way to find a balance so he doesn't focus too much on being good versus bad and isn't, you know, and thinks of the lesson of improving himself. How do we get on the same page? Okay. That's such an interesting question because I'm not sure when you say when we discipline him, what you're referring to, but let's say what you mean is you reprimand him for whatever the behavior was. And now instead of thinking he knocked over the um, dog bowl and he needs to remember to be more careful when he's around the dog bowl. He's focused on, am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get in trouble? And so you can't even teach him. And I actually think the answer lies in the question. In that moment, when you notice that your child is focused on getting in trouble, what is it that's happening right before that? Is it that he's getting yelled at and told what he did wrong? When kids are just told what they did wrong, but they're not told what you expect of them, An an example would be, please make sure to walk around the dog bowl. When you walk without paying attention, the dog bowl gets knocked over and then it's all over the floor. So that way, the discipline is teaching instead of getting in trouble. When discipline is, here's what you did wrong and here's why, you know, it's not acceptable. 
And there's no sense of like, here's what I need from you right now. There's no space for a lesson. And the only space that's available is, okay, am I in trouble? What's the punishment? What's the deal here? And that's why ultimately, and this is a longer conversation, and I I encourage you to listen to the podcast on everything you need to know about discipline with Tina Payne Bryson and myself. I will put that episode in the show notes. But when you focus exclusively on getting in trouble kind of disciplining, then that's what your child is wondering. And they don't care about improving their behavior. They don't really care about the lesson. They just want to know how in trouble am I? And while that could be innocent enough in child early childhood, when you have kids with higher stakes in adolescence, for example, where you don't want them to care more about getting in trouble than doing the right thing, the thing that the lesson would be, because that could put them in harm's way and they don't want you to know because they don't want to get in trouble from you. If you have a kid who's afraid to call you to tell you that they're at a party with drinking and they would rather get into a car with a driver who's been drinking than tell you they need a ride home, that's dangerous. You need them to feel comfortable telling you that something happened. So you don't want them focused on getting in trouble. Now, obviously I used an extreme example but I just, I want to highlight how important it is to think of discipline as teaching rather than punishment. And when you do it that way and you help your child learn what is expected behavior and less focus on what is, you know, getting them into trouble, they are going to be more likely to internalize what behaviors you expect and want to see and less likely to try to avoid the getting in trouble part. Have a wonderful week. <laughs> 